Many times entire churches camp around the teaching gift. So they go into a highly intellectual zone, a zone where emotions are completely devalued. Emotions are fickle, they are dangerous, they are etc. What is really important is the Word of God and rightly dividing the Word of God. And so your only value is in how well you understand and you digest that. You can get entire churches that do exactly what we're talking about. And so the only way to get value in that church is to become a teacher-like student who is able to parrot doctrine in a way that lines up with the dominant teachings of that church. All of a sudden, this whole topic of heart change, which is what I bring over and over and over again, all of a sudden, heart change just isn't really working so well. Welcome to Effective Heart Change. We're ready to jump into a whole new series. I hope you're ready for it. I'm as ready as I'm ready, and we'll see what that is. What we've been talking about is forgiveness in the Let It Go series, and we talked about how you walk through that, you walk through the pain, you walk through all the different things that are there. But there's a whole different class of people that I call King's Seat people. And King's Seat people respond to life very differently than the traditional person. They don't get offended, if you will. They get even. <laughs> well, that, that uh, brings a few pictures to mind. But uh, So the King's Seat, what do you mean by that? Well, I talk about it in Dead Dogs. And everybody has a need, if you go all the way back to Genesis 1, everybody has a need to have some level of ownership, control, influence, uh, to sit in the king's seat, i.e., hey, I'm a real person, I'm an individual, I need my dignity, I need my space, and I need to be an influencer of other people. When I refer to the idea of being in the king's seat, I refer to that part of us as a human being that needs to be an influencer. Again, the biblical language is rule the earth, take dominion, be in charge. We have a need to be in charge of something. Everybody. Everybody does. Everybody has that need. Some have a need, uh, the need more than others, a lot more than others. Well, there are people whose spiritual gifts or core or whatever language you want to use, what they care about deeply is to be able to be that influencer, to be that ruler of other people. And so we would look at them and say, comparatively, that person's in the king's seat all the time. There are other people who are much more compassionate and just coming alongside and loving and nurturing is, is their entire world. And we would look at that person and say, well, they're almost never in the king's seat comparatively. But even loving, nurturing, compassion, there's a need to feel like I'm making a difference in somebody's life. Now, you mentioned spiritual gifts uh, earlier. And uh, one of the gift- giftings is, is a leadership type of situation. Uh, so it's, it, it is a positive thing. It can be a positive thing, but it can be a negative thing. That's what I kind of get, get you're leading us towards. 
the title of this one is Yes, Pain is the Driver. And maybe I need to explain that. Mm -hmm. Driver, I believe all of us have things inside of us that are very important to us. They're the driving force. So when I'm talking about Yes, Pain is the Driver, I'm going to things like judgments. Let's just go there. Why do people respond so negatively to judgments? It's very simple. There is a driver there. There's something coming up through the person mm -hmm. that comes out in their message towards the other person that I would call a driver. There's a driver in there that's just attaching itself to the person's words, to the person's message. And so when I'm talking to you, I may be telling you the facts and I'm just giving you a truth and I'm not irritated. I'm not even angry. You're just inferior and you're being foolish and you, you don't have any ability here. But I'm just, I'm just telling you how it is. But there's no pain there. There's nothing in my driver that needs to change. Forgive me for laughing, but I was trying to... <laughs> I was, I was looking at your face and the sound of your voice and your edge and the whole thing. And uh, that is how it comes out, isn't it, a lot of times? Have you ever known anyone like that? Oh, yeah. I've, I, yeah. I was just watching it. <laughs> You've known me. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> well, I mean, we have those moments. Uh, everybody has those moments, some a lot more than others. But, but it, it goes, it gets personal. That's what, that's what it is that changes the attitude, it seems. Uh, when I, in, if, I t if I'm in a leadership position and I take offense, then I'm going to get defensive because I, I don't like the attitude. Well, uh, then I start giving my attitude, and the person that I'm giving it to doesn't like my attitude, so we're going nowhere. So how do we work around that? Let's just start with my simple one-liner, which I have a one-liner for everything, right? <laughs> you can only be hurt by what you care about. That's, that's a good one-liner. Uh, and and it, uh, I remember the first time I heard you say that, and I thought, hmm, probably want to remember that, because it does, uh, it, it, it's the finger on the point. It, it, you, you, you've, you've hit it right on the head. But the, you can't be offended by something that doesn't matter to you, but we can be offended in a heartbeat on, on something that we care about. So if you go to King's seat people in general, what do they care about? And that's where we go back to Genesis 1, and you get this idea, I care about my ability to influence you. I care about your response to me because I care about leadership. I care about me being able to, to have, have an impact on you, if that's what I care about, your response then becomes very personal to me and very painful to me if it's not what I want it to be. The negativity is what catches your attention. And generally, when we're talking about forgiveness, which we talked about in the Let It Go series, we're talking about things that are hurtful statements that you know, you're a loser or whatever, and, and, and I'm throwing something at you that's negative. Whereas in the king seat, I move into many times a much more intellectual place, maybe even a place of shutdown, where I, I, I am not operating out of my emotions. I am operating out of fact, and I'm operating out of performance. And after all, this is the work world. 
So you just need to get over your feelings and start producing. If you're hearing everything that I'm saying, what I'm telling you is my value system is to get you to be more productive and to make this thing work. I'm, I'm really, that's, that's what I care about. And yes, there is pain in there, even though I'm going to shut down all emotions and this is just the work world. So don't take it personal. Don't get offended. We just have a job to get done. Don't take it personal. It's just, it's amusing. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying, and I can hear it. I can see it uh, in, your, in your discussion of it. And I can, I can take it personally uh, that, that I do the same things at times, that, that uh, in my uh, eagerness to, to shed some light on a, on a subject, uh, I may uh, mess that up totally before I even get to shedding light by having an attitude like, I've got something you need, and you need to listen. There's a message there of superiority and inferiority. And of course, I'm superior and you're inferior. Therefore, you have to listen to me. You need to listen to me. So there's all kinds of subterfuge. There's all kinds of innuendos. There's all kinds of things coming across in message from person A to person B that end up becoming offensive. So what tends to happen here well, the one who is offended is the person on the receiving end, and the one who's on the giving end, well, I haven't done anything. But the reality is, yes, you have. There's pain underneath this thing, and you're giving off all of these different vibes because of that pain, and you're not even willing to see it or ad admit it. So in, in my thinking that I'm doing something good, I'm actually stirring up... Uh... Uh, witch's brew <laughs> that uh, uh, is going to be negativity both ways. It really is. The, the person in the king's seat many times is the one who's creating the offense, or better yet, let's go to a different term, let's go to resentment. They're the person there, and, and many times when you're talking about let it go, and you're back to that series, and I've got a person who's just having a hard time forgiving, they can't forgive until there's restitution. They can't forgive until there's a change in behavior. Well, that doesn't exactly fit with the whole idea of let it go. But they're sitting in that king's seat saying, I'll change when your behavior changes. Why? Because they need your behavior to change, to feel good about themselves. If you're mm -hmm. Because there is a pain underneath that thing driving it, which they're not willing to admit because they sit in the king's seat and they're in a superior position, and you're in an inferior position, so you should just respond to them. So forgiveness really isn't even a part of the issue, and pain isn't really a part of the issue. really speaks to uh, how we, we're, we're pretty one-sided in things. We're pretty much self-focused, and uh, that, that leads to uh, underestimating uh, what the other person Fears uh, that we're saying. Uh, to me, that's one of the frustrating things in a in a class situation is is when you're make, trying to make a point and and it it's it's somewhere out there but uh, not graspable. 
And, and uh, so I, I, I understand that. Now, come on, you know, don't you see that? But when I start thinking like that, I try to, I try to say to myself, well, maybe you're not explaining it very well, or maybe you're coming off as being superior, and, and they don't like that. It was interesting yesterday. I felt like we had a moment there. You were challenging something that I was saying, and, and when you first start out, I'm like, okay, I'm not hearing what you're saying. Yeah. And, so, and you kept talking, and, and it became clearer as time went on. Well, that's one of the things I appreciate about our exchanges is I learn even when I'm uncomfortable with the way you're saying it or presenting it, I know uh, well enough that I've spent enough years around you, with you, that if I'll hang in there and try to hear what you're actually saying and not what I'm making of it, uh, there have been wonderful things that, that uh, you've taught me and have uh, been real benefits to my life. In the same way. I'm listening and I'm saying, okay, he's thinking this. How are my words coming across? What mm -hmm. message is being put out there? If Dale's feeling this way and he knows me and has been around me, what's going on elsewhere? And are my words really being effective? Are my ideas even right? You know, do I need to be challenged? Do I need to rethink some of these things? So I I'm, I'm really am listening when you're doing that. But there was a period yesterday that I was just like, I'm listening, but I'm not hearing it. I that's, mean, it, that's, it, I'm listening, but <laughs> yeah, it was like okay, I I'm I'm a little confused here. You take that extra time. You you don't go into the king seat because the king seat almost by nature becomes superiority, inferiority, and it becomes condemning, belittling. It's like no, I want to hear you. I. I want to value you as an individual. That's just so important. Well, we've been doing uh, The Prodigal Son by Henry Nguyen in, in my Sunday school class. And, and really, uh, this picture that we're talking about, uh, God the Father uh, is the father figure, and he, he's just saying, come home. And, and, and all the all the other stuff. He talk about the king's place, the, the being in the king's seat. That's God. <laughs> that's that's the real king's seat, and 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 yet he's saying, "Come home." He doesn't. When the prodigal returns, he doesn't lash out at him. He's welcome home and best of everything, feast, and even for the son that was stayed home and and was all irritated about what the dad was doing for, for the, the prodigal. The, the son, incidentally, sat in the king's seat at that point. He yeah. went into the seat of judgment, so yes. Uh, yeah, so, so that example is such a great story and a great lesson, but that's the example of what we're trying to get to. When we are in the, the seat of, quote, superiority, where you are the teacher, okay? Uh, when you're in that, uh, you still, probably to a, a greater degree, you're more responsible for what you're saying 
and and how it's taken. And so you have to be a little more tender that way. And a lot more tender would be great. But but it's 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 an interesting place. Uh, leadership is important. I think God gifts us. Uh, the spiritual gifts are things where we have a more of a propensity to be able to make connections. But it doesn't give you the authority or the, the right to disrespect the other person. A lot of it goes back to heart change. I need to understand the impact that I'm having on you. I think we've done a good job of defining the issue. Yes, pain is the driver. We've talked about the king seat and people in the king seat. Those personalities think differently. They're hurt differently. They express unforgiveness, if you will, or offense or pain differently. We've defined that. Let's take a few moments, answer some questions about this segment, and then we'll continue. We're starting a new series called The King's Seat, and this particular segment is called Yes, Pain is the Driver. And there's a whole set of things that work very much like the Let It Go series, where we talk about walking it through and handing it off to God and receiving back from God, and this is how I get into a healthy zone. But it doesn't look anything like that. And let's start with the first one, which are judgments. And if you start with the whole idea of judgments, we talked in the last segment about the driver for king seat people is what they care about. Judgments usually come out of teacher-type personalities. Uh, yeah, I'm talking a little bit about myself and other people. But people who are analytical, people who look at things and break it down, and they want everything to come together and fit in the right way according to truth. If that's what I care about, truth and being right and having everything in order, I'm much more likely to slide into judgment because I should be able to teach you. I should be able to have this impact on you and get you this information, and you should listen to me. And should be able to understand it and follow your line of thinking. So if you're not understanding, if you're not listening, if, God forbid, you don't even care about what I'm presenting, then that creates pain in me because we all, the deepest part of us in terms of feeling good about ourselves is when we are being who God created us to be and other people are responding, so they're validating that. Wow, I'm being validated in who God created me to be. That's what makes me feel good. So if I'm a teacher and I'm not being validated at that level, next thing I know, I have to do something with the pain. And as a teacher, I don't want to deal with the emotional side. So I slide over into a critical spirit. So in a sense, you're upping the ante. Uh, if, if, if I don't like where it's going to go or where it's going and, or not being received, uh, there's so much. There's so many different possibilities there. Um, as a teacher, and I consider myself some, in some ways, I'm a teacher. You you are a teacher. And, so. and uh, as an old coach, 
So the, considering myself that way, then I, I understand what you're saying about if you're, you're presenting something. Uh, basketball would be a great place to, for me to start talking about drills you run because you want to teach certain skills. Uh, but there are some days that it's like you never had anything to say. And and it's easy to and coaches usually just get mad, <laughs> and and then uh, use colorful language to to redirect the the, the efforts and remind uh, what the points are. <laughs> to uh, varying degrees of success, but what's interesting. In in following you here is that that I'm I'm I keep thinking you're talking about how as a as a leader a teacher you 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 can get offended by it and and I'm thinking uh, since I'm on the listening in right here uh, I'm thinking okay uh, what's the other guy thinking and and so uh, I'm I'm in a I'm in an uncomfortable place here because uh, I'm I'm jumping back and forth and I'm hard to hit. I think what you're saying, you're hearing both sides. Yeah, I, you're I, seeing the coach's side, and you're seeing the player's side. Yeah. And frankly, what we talked about in the last series was the player side, where okay. I I'm feeling wounded, I'm feeling beat up. So I need to forgive. That's that's the normal forgiveness side. But the process is exactly the same over here on the coach side. The coach wouldn't admit it, but the coach is in pain because the players aren't responding. Well, are you saying I'm not a good coach? Are you saying I didn't communicate well? Well, how dare you treat me like that? We don't think about that. It's not at the forefront of our brain. We don't understand that's what's going on. Yes, pain is the driver. We don't understand that there's pain. We just think that person's a jerk and a loser. And, and if I just had better athletes, I could come up with a better team. We do that. <laughs> if you're in the king seat, you step into that place of a superior position. You belittle the other person and you think you're doing it because of factual information. And because you're justified. So we wouldn't even put it in the forgiveness process unless, of course, you're on the other end of it. And then it's like, well, yeah, I need to forgive you. But the one on the other side is dealing with pain. They've got a process of learning how to deal with their own pain, getting it handed off to God. That's kind of like the whole let it go series. It is. And it, 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 it's confusing. In that that uh, there is that give and take, and and we uh, the tendency is uh, to take, <laughs> and 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 uh, then there's that resentment, and so we throw it back, and so it's it's a moving target that's almost impossible to hit. Well, it's confusing because of the way we define this thing. Mm -hmm. So a person who is concerned about outcomes, not at the heart level, not in terms of growth of the other person, not in terms of message received, but are we going to win games? And if we're not winning games, I'm failing. 
And so I'm going to put whatever level pain I need to on you. And again, in a culture that, that values winning, that values productivity, that's all justified. Justified ends up being a huge word in this whole picture. I am justified. Therefore, there's nothing to be forgiven here. I just did what was right. I did what I had to do in order to get the outcomes. You just need to grow up and you need to get over it. Back to what I talked about in the last segment. It's just business. Shut your feelings down and give me some productivity and we'll be fine. Success. If you're going to be a success, sometimes you just have to eat it, don't you? Yes, you do. <laughs> and that's where our culture is. Our culture is. is a knowledge culture and it's a productivity culture. So when you have those values at a high level, then we get into this mindset of let's shut down the entire personal side. And I'm able to operate in these areas. I'm able to operate in judgments. I'm able to operate in this kind of rougher, shut down sort of a mode and feel justified. And again, this is the key word. As long as I feel justified, there's no handing off of pain that's needed. In fact, I'm going to deny my pain. I am justified. Well, the whole time I'm doing that, what's happening to this word message? And message is the most powerful word in terms of how I'm going to interact with you and impact you, if my message is ugly, we have a real problem. Now, I'm going to flip this thing. In the coaching world, in the business world, it's like we've agreed to this thing called shutdown. We've agreed to the fact that, okay, we're, we're going to put feelings aside. You can curse at me. You can scream at me. You can do whatever you need to do. If that helps me step into a place of productivity, and we win games, then everything's okay. And people many times are able to look at the reward. They're able to look at the paycheck at the, at the end of the pay period, or they're able to look at the trophies they won or whatever. Or and, the promotion they got. And we all decide collectively together that shutdown really does work. Look at the outcomes. So we all collectively decide that together. And this is what really messes with it it kind of becomes workable when we all sort of agree to those rules, at least towards productivity and championships, it becomes workable. But in terms of heart change and building people's lives and doing the work of God, I don't think that works quite so well. It's like I mentioned the other day that uh, that sounds instinctual. And there's a lot of stink in that instinctual. <laughs> well, what I heard you say just then was, uh, we receive this message and we go along with it. There's more mess than there is message because we're making a mess of it by devaluing what uh, our standards, our aims, our, our actual way of doing business, of bettering not just me, but bettering someone else in the process of building, uh, we're actually building things up instead of agreeing to disagree and, or putting aside anything that's an obstacle and going ahead blindly with uh, win at all costs. Again, we're talking about ourselves here, yeah. so I'm actually going to jump into the church for a moment. 
many times entire churches camp around the teaching gift. So they go into a highly intellectual zone, a zone where emotions are completely devalued. Emotions are fickle, they are dangerous, they are etc. What is really important is the Word of God and rightly dividing the Word of God. And so your only value is in how well you understand and you digest that. You can get entire churches that do exactly what we're talking about. And so the only way to get value in that church is to become a teacher-like student who is able to parrot doctrine in a way that lines up with the dominant teachings of that church. All of a sudden, this whole topic of heart change, which is what I bring over and over and over again, all of a sudden, heart change just isn't really working so well. Many times, teachers in a church will operate in exactly the same way, where it really does become about the information. And they're very suspicious of anything that's emotion, because emotions can get in there and they can shake it up, and it's going to keep you from understanding the doctrine and the pure doctrine and the pure Word of God. And all of a sudden, I've got all this dangerous stuff going on. And dangerous, frankly, is defined according to you're not— What you value. Yeah, you're, you're not conforming to my teaching value. Then I begin to cast dispersions. There, there's kind of a critical nature. There's a vertical thing of my value is better than your value. Mm -hmm. And I need—here we are. This is a key word. I need you to start responding to me. I need you to respond to my value. That's where the critical spirit creeps in. The judgment comes in, and it begins to accelerate on both sides more and more as time goes on. Yes, pain is the driver. I'm sitting in the king seat, and people in the king seat need, that's the key word, need other people to respond to them in a certain way. As soon as you slide into that place of needing other people to respond to you in a certain way, I'll guarantee you, unforgiveness, woundedness, put-downs, whatever language you want to use, is being created. It's being generated, and there's pain going back and forth. On the one side, it'll be acknowledged, and they'll be angry at the other side. That's more of what we call the victim side. But on the teacher side, it's, what are you talking about? Yeah. I didn't belittle you. I, I didn't put you down. This is just truth. So, I mean, you just need to get over it. Live with it. Live with it. Uh, you, you say need. I think there's even something beyond that. It, demand. Uh, uh, someone that is an expert, and, and uh, in the King's seat, you consider yourself an expert, uh, even if it's somewhere back in the recesses of, of your ego, it's there. and and. For you not to respond in the way that I want you to respond, not only is that important to me that you do respond, uh, I, de I demand it. And, and if, if I don't get it, then I'm going to retaliate in some other way. Now, another example is the word resentment. Critical spirit judgments, again, our society is rampant on all sides of that one, and we're trying to figure it out. Resentment is an interesting word. Resentment becomes more personal. It's, I'm wanting you to respond to me at a certain way. I, I want respect from you, or I want loyalty from you, or 
I want something at a personal level from you. And for some reason, I'm not getting that from you. So then, again, what's the pain? The pain is I'm some kind of an influencer. I have a feeling that I should be able to have this impact on you. I'm not getting that impact from you. So therefore, I resent you. But pain isn't the driver. Again, I am justified. That's, that's the theme of the king's seat. I'm justified. I'm justified because of your behavior, so I don't see it in terms of forgiveness or letting go of pain. Here's to me that resentment, here's another word thing for me, <laughs> uh, is what, we, what, we're decide, uh, what we're desiring is that the person has said something, has given something, and, and uh, it offends us. We'd like for them to resend it. And and then uh, you could take that a couple different ways too, but but that that offense we take is based on a remark that's come our way, and that clearly happens. But resentment can even be something totally different. Somebody else gets the cheerleading position, or somebody else gets the promotion, or somebody else. At that point, it's not even personal. It's not even an interaction between you and me. It's something that I feel like I should possess. I should get. It's, it's my place. And so now I resent you, but because I wanted the promotion. There's pain there. I wanted the promotion so that I could feel better about me, or maybe I believe I could have done a better job. I deserved it. <laughs> I deserved it. You get all the different language, but there's a pain there, and it becomes personal towards the other person. But again, with resentment, it doesn't look like and feel like forgiveness is needed. That's why I like the title, Let It Go. That's why in the last series, I didn't use the words forgiveness very often. I talked about let it go. With resentment, it's easy to see that, oh, this is something that needs to be let go of. It, it needs to be handed off. So that one fits the forgiveness pattern better, but people still usually don't see it. Uh, it's a lot easier said than done, letting it go. That... And, and frankly, in the forgiveness series, people who are justice people, I call it. Well, justice people, what? They sit in the king's seat. They say, I cannot forgive until there's restitution. I cannot forgive until justice is done. I cannot forgive until the behavior changes. Why would I want to forgive until the behavior changes? They feel justified. Justice people feel justified. So they are some of the ones that have the hardest time letting go. That's part of why I slid over into this series, because that letting it go for the king seat person looks very different, and it's, and it's, frankly, I think, more difficult than the person who's been wounded. You mentioned the spiritual gifts and how within churches uh, there's a tendency for uh, one-sided conversations. And, and I remember when I first was exposed to spiritual gifts testing, uh, the church I was involved with at the time uh, seemed like everybody was a prophet, <laughs> which is a king's seat. Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're telling people what's, what's going to happen. 
what's going to happen, plus yeah. also what's truth and, and what's, what's right and what's wrong, and yeah. you're right and you're wrong, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of that going on. Yes. Yeah, so, so that was an eye-opener for me because uh, I, had, I had a little prophetic indication, but, but I didn't consider myself a prophet. Uh, but it was interesting that of the 40, 50 people that were in this group, I would say at least half of us were uh, <laughs> confessed prophets. <laughs> so I can imagine what the dynamics of that group were it, like. It didn't go far. There was a lot of stuff being hurled back and yeah, forth, yeah. And, and there was a battle of wits and wills and truth and <laughs> or who's in charge <laughs> and, and nitwits. <laughs> so, so you get into that kind of a zone, yeah. and generally, people who are in that zone, they're not going to talk about forgiveness. They're going to talk about who's right and who's wrong, and this whole pain thing and letting go of it just doesn't come to the forefront. So you, you touched on something right there that I think is vital to this conversation. It's not all about who's right and who's wrong. And, and we tend to, to do that. Uh, and both ways. Uh, if, I'm in the, if I'm in the king's seat, uh, I'm pretty well convinced that I've got the inside track on information that I know what I'm talking about, and if you have any brains at all, you'll agree with me, and we'll just go forward, and it'll be a positive experience for everyone. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm sitting in the other chair, I'm thinking, why does this guy think he knows everything? And, and so, who's right and who's wrong? Both of you could be right, and both of you could be wrong at the same time. Uh, the other day, and I think I mentioned it, I, I, I had this idea pop in my head, that uh, my take isn't always the right take. And the way I see things doesn't guarantee that I'm seeing them correctly. And, and I need to remember that. And this, this, this whole conversation between the king's seat and the, the pauper, the lower level, uh, screams out, somebody's got to have uh, an idea about there's a bigger picture that we're missing. One of the cousins to what we're talking about, and I'll put it that way, is comparisons. Another thing, you know, who's right, who's wrong, mm -hmm. why do you think you're better? Comparisons creep in there and, again, create a sense of justification. So we're not, again, we're not in a typical forgiveness, unforgiveness type of a zone. But I begin doing that sort of thing where I'm comparing myself to you, you to others. You're back in the judgment zone. It's another whole area. Resentments, judgments, critical spirit, comparisons. All of these are classic king seat activities that there's a pain under there. What do you suppose is the pain that drives a person who is heavily into comparisons? The perception that they are not living up to who they think they are. And, and that's perfect. I mean, a person who is highly into comparisons is insecure. And they don't feel like they measure up. So in order to make themselves measure up, they go into the king's seat, start doing the comparison game. 
and we're going back and forth in that whole thing. And there's pain there. It's not acknowledged. So then I have an entire set of behaviors that I create to make me feel better about me that in the long run actually do exactly the opposite of that. Because as soon as I set up those comparisons, they come back on me. Same thing with judgments. As soon as I cast judgments on you, what happens? Those judgments are going to come back on me because there's going to be a day when I mess up in that area and I'm going to hear in the back of my head, I'm going to hear all of those judgments that I've put out. And now I'm even more insecure. I'm even struggling at a higher level. So then there's a higher pain level. So I tend to become even more extreme with my behaviors. So playing right back at you doesn't really do anybody any good. It doesn't do anyone any good. Well, I think we've done a good job of <laughs> opening up the discussion here. Uh, it, it's interesting when you talk about king seat, people don't know, what are you talking about? And when, I, when you talk about pain being the driver of king seat people, because I'm not getting the performance, I'm not getting the productivity, you're not listening to my, no my knowledge, you're not listening to my knowledge, you're not acknowledging my worth. We don't think about pain driving these people because generally they tend to go into a form of shutdown or, you know, let's, let's just stay with the facts or whatever. But there is pain there and it is a driver. And until that's acknowledged, that king seat person is going to send messages that are hurtful to other people. As we go on in the series, we'll begin to dissect that and really walk through how does the king seat person let go? Because the process is very much the same as we saw in the Let It Go series. People have been a little bit confused when I talk about this. How does this all work? Well, you've got a process that we defined in the Let It Go series that most people who live in the king seat don't think about that process. They don't even think they need that process. But they do. There is pain as a driver. There is a letting go that needs to happen. That's what we'll be talking about in this king seat series. Everybody is dealing with pain. Everybody is. And, and sometimes we're able to see that, and sometimes we're blind to it. And being open enough wherever you're sitting uh, is really vital to being a part of the kingdom, a part of a godlike uh, attitude that uh, is beneficial to everybody instead of being a, a deteriorating factor. I'm hoping that you're getting some new insights and in the videos that follow, we're going to walk you through how do I get this back into a healthy place? I hope you'll join us. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 101.1.